Good afternoon. This is your host, John, of the Research Review, creating a platform to connect and inspire. I'm here with another excellent guest today, Andrew, which I've been waiting all summer to record this one. This is our first time back in the Kent State studio since the whole summer, and it is an honor to have you here today. And in preparation for your important trip. So, yeah. why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, your research, and what you have coming up in store pretty soon. Yeah, well, thank you very much. I'm very honored to be here, and I'm very thankful for the opportunity. Um, so, a little bit about myself. I am actually currently a sophomore. Mm-hmm. I'm majoring in aerospace engineering here at Kent State, our gorgeous university. Gorgeous. Oh, it's great. And like walking distance to downtown. Especially in the beginning of the year where all the flowers are out. They have The landscaping is so impressive. Yes. Um, I really fell into my, my major. Yeah. It all started with what, what school to apply to. Mm-hmm. I knew I wanted to major in aerospace engineering. Uh, I got inspired by a class that I actually took at, believe it or not, the Naval Academy. Really? I really wanted to go there while I was in high school. Uh-huh. I ended up doing a summer camp, and I took a course in aerospace engineering because I thought, wow, like this, this, that, that sounds cool. Yeah. And it was so cool learning about aerodynamics around different bodies. And we actually learned our activity was why are golf balls divoted? And the answer to that is a smooth surface creates uh, turbulent vortices off the edges. So when you make it rigid, it prevents that from happening. So then the golf ball can sail through the air more smoothly. Wow. I never even thought of that. Yeah. I always just thought it was for design. (laughs) It actually just looks really cool. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it does. I didn't know it actually, you know, I didn't think it had a purpose, but that was really, that's really interesting. I didn't either. So I thought immediately, I want to do aerospace engineering. I want to do airplanes. Mm -hmm. So applying to different schools, I saw Kent State. They have aerospace engineering. And believe it or not, we're like one of the only aerospace engineering colleges in Ohio. Really? We are only the birthplace of aviation. I did, yeah, that, that's, that's interesting to think about. I, I know it's the same for mechatronics, too. Yes. Yes. I, which we're is really one new. of like the only in the country for yeah. mechatronics. That's like very, very new. Yeah. And our, our program is very new. So you kind of have the opportunity to be the big fish in the little pond. Yeah. And there's lots of opportunities for growth. Uh, so when I ended up here, I thought I was going to do airplanes, and I wanted to build military aircraft because mm-hmm. I thought, ooh, like defense industry, money, and right. airplanes, woo. <laughs> uh, but I took a class, Intro to Engineering, mm-hmm. and I got to learn about some research that happens here at Kent State. Yeah. And a faculty member introduced me to Dr. Liu, Dr. the Liu. Space Systems Laboratory Manager, Director. Mm-hmm. and Here at Kent State. Here at Kent okay. State. And I had a meeting with him, and I just was like, hey, like, what kind of research do you work on? And space seems really cool, and it's like the big next thing. Yeah. Ever since – I, it was like the gateway drug. Like, then you just, like, fell in ever right. since that. Ever since that meeting of just sitting down with him and talking to him about space and just saying, hey, like, what's going on right now? And what do you work on? And so he does a lot of research with CubeSats, mm-hmm. no, what which are, are – okay. CubeSats are really, uh, think about a cube, okay. CubeSat. Yeah. Uh, so they're 10 centimeters by 10 centimeters, and th- they're dimensioned that way. So they're just basically giant rectangles. Mm-hmm. So you can have a 6U CubeSat, which would be 60 centimeters by 10 centimeters. Okay. And they like are building blocks. Super small, super cheap. 
and that's that's what he specialized in. And then he also has a whole different laboratory with uh, what's called arrow capture, uh-huh. uh, entry, descent, and landing. Is yeah. the ac- so AEDL is the acronym for it. Okay. What 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 are what are cube uh, you, you describe what they look like what are they, what are they used for exactly CubeSats. so CubeSats primarily are going to test technologies on a cheap platform that mm-hmm. we're going to include on a larger platform okay so a great example is we just had the Artemis one launch very recently yeah and during that we actually deployed CubeSats to orbit around the moon okay we oh, wanted wow. to, we wanted to test some technologies we wanted to see our technolo- our uh, communications uplink the deep space network it's getting mm-hmm. overloaded there's a lot of people out there in space now how, um, how, about how many you know bodies are in space as there's of a now, lot. do you think there's there's a lot i mean there's there's debris there's starlink starlink mm-hmm. has tens of thousands of satellites and they're cubesats they're really small like yeah. they could they're like the size of this laptop in front of me it's and they're cheap platforms when they fail they fail we don't care right um, and then we can include them in the expensive mission so when we do a big mission that's you know 10 billion dollars we know that it works it's a proven technology mm-hmm. so the cubesats are a good way to kind of test things if they fail, they fail. It's okay. It was right. only like a $60,000 investment, which is super cheap in the space industry. Yeah, I'm dealing with billions of dollars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so the, the other portion of Dr. Liu's research was the, air, the AEDL, the Aero Capture, Entry, Descent, and Landing. Mm-hmm. And he sent me research papers on both. Okay. Uh, the current research question at the time, he was building what was called a Hemholtz cage. Looks like giant copper coils. And that was to actually simulate different magnetic fields Mm -hmm. and testing how instruments will react to different magnetic fields. So actually, depending on your orbit around your radius uh, and altitude away from Earth, uh, the electromagnetic fields are different, and that interferes with your instrumentation. Okay. So you build this Hemholtz cage. I can create any electromagnetic field I want to, and I can see how it affects instruments that we're going to put on a CubeSat. Right. It had a lot of math, and the papers were long, and they were kind of dry. But there was a pap- there were papers that he sent me on aero capture, mm-hmm. and it was very simple to understand. Uh, I could visualize it, right. and it was it was about orbits, and it, the, there was not as much math. It was much more: um, is this feasible? Can we do it? Visualizing that was a lot more in terms of graphs. Yes, yeah. it was much more graphical. Uh-huh. Which is interesting because we had a really good conversation about economics, yes. both of us. And we both really like graphs. Graphs and numbers. Graphs and numbers, yeah. 100%. So th- that's interesting that love for graphs transition into aerospace capture just as much as it does economics. Yeah, it's everywhere. Mm-hmm. And actually, a lot of my, all of my research was generation and interpretation of graphs. Yeah. It was running code. Let's look at the graph, what's happening here. Um, and, and that's kind of how you do it. And aero capture was interesting to me and it had, to me, it, it felt like you're making more of a contribution of something that's like cutting edge. Right. It's not, but (laughs) (laughs) it's, I mean, it will be eventually, you know, eventually. Yeah. Uh, so aero capture is the basically long story short, orbital mechanics Mm -hmm. is really complicated. You got to move in circles. Uh, you slow up, you slow down to speed up. 
So we want to approach a planet very quickly, as fast as we can. So we, have right. to, we can have lighter batteries. We don't need to carry as much instrumentation. But then the problem is, how do we slow down? Because we have to slow down to get into a closed orbit. Mm -hmm. Typically, what will happen is you just turn your spacecraft the opposite direction, and then you just burn until you're slowed down enough. Okay. But that requires a lot of mass. Right. You, need to, you need to then have an engine on your payload, and that's expensive. And wh you know, why do we want to include that? So it's been found that you can actually use the destination planet's atmosphere to decelerate the vehicle enough in a single pass. So essentially you will... A single pass. A single pass. So there's a difference between aero capture mm -hmm. and aero braking. Okay. So aero braking is I'm going to enter the atmosphere at a really high altitude, and I'm just going to orbit until I slow down, and then I'm going to burn to then come out of the atmosphere. Okay. So it still requires an engine but it's much more efficient than if I were to just turn around. Right. Aero capture is I'm going to go really deep in the atmosphere, and then I'm going to skip out, and then I'm going to lose enough energy to enter a closed orbit. Mm -hmm. Wait, now, what do, you, what do you mean by skip out? So skipping out means I don't require any actual propulsion system on the rear of my spacecraft. I only need like uh, you know like the little funnel engines you see in the movies of like ch -ch -ch, like yeah, things that like yeah, the, <laughs> that's the, the only the, way the I can describe old, them. Good old classic rockets. Yes, yeah. like the little like air air they look like air puffs. Right. You this... only need those for like flight stabilization. Mm -hmm. It doesn't need a giant motor on the back. Okay. And all you have to do is you can enter the atmosphere, you cruise through it, mm -hmm. and then you. De depending on the vehicle design, you can either come right back out due to aerodynamic characteristics yeah. of the capsule, or you actually will rotate called a bank angle maneuver. And you just like an airplane, when you bank, you tilt sideways. Uh -huh. uh, it'll tilt sideways by like 90 degrees or 180 degrees. And then it goes, comes right out of the atmosphere. And then you're in a closed orbit. Wow. It's super cool. And that's what my okay. research was on was aero capture. Cool. And then my research specifically was focused on you know, we're entering an atmosphere and we get really, really close to the surface mm -hmm. than any other, any other mission designs. Right. So what if we wanted to deliver probes? Because, you know, why are we just going to launch something into orbit? We also want some things to enter the planet yeah. and land on the surface. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What, what, what planet are you revolving around specifically? So the, my, my main target destination is Venus. Okay. Wow. Um, and I've learned a lot about Venus mm -hmm. and about a lot of people hear Venus, and they're like, uh. So I was talking with my research advisor, and he's like, yeah, we're going to do this for Venus. And I was really bummed because I'm like, dude, Venus sucks. <laughs> why, like, why, is, why is there, like, such this, like, a negative perception about Venus? Because, like, everyone's so obsessed with Mars. Mm -hmm. Like, we're going to Mars. That's we're gonna true. When, when I came into this episode, I was telling people that I was interviewing someone who's talking, who is doing research towards Mars. Yeah. Because I must have, like, overlooked it. Because you said in your email, I must have overlooked it. Yeah. And then thought Mars. Because I didn't, I never thought Venus would be considered, like, a possible target. It, it, it has a lot more than I ever thought it ever would. Yeah. And I actually got to attend a seminar with Dr. Kremick, who is uh, in charge of some of our Venus missions. Yeah. And he described everything about Venus. And it's, it's so interesting. Venus is about the same radius of Earth, so it's about the same size. Mm -hmm. uh, the orbits are about the same. It has the same year, but it has a different day cycle. So I think a day on Venus is about a year. <laughs> wow. So its day is about as long as its year. Yeah. And also, Venus could be nothing. It's not similar to v uh, Earth at all. So Venus is like our sister planet, right. but like 
Not at all. <laughs> it's got sulfuric acid in the clouds. The surface is hot enough to melt lead. Mm -hmm. The surface pressure is like a thousand times the surface pressure of Earth. So if you were to stand on the surface, you would just be crushed by the pressure. <laughs> really? Yeah. Is there any chance of, for it to be habitable? I don't know. Practical it, chance. It it could be. It would require uh, some big advancements in technology. Mm -hmm. And actually, there are theories that there might actually already be life really? on Venus. Let life, life as in intelligent life, or not intelligent, but I think the word is like microbial, yeah, like okay, yeah. super small, like right. prokaryote, right. Uh, like cells. Mm -hmm. Doctor Kremick kind of spoke about it a little bit. It's not proven, but the cycles of the gases in the atmosphere of Venus. They move in a very strange way. So Venus rotates the opposite direction that it rolls yeah. around the Earth, which doesn't make sense. Physics doesn't really account for that. Every other planet or rotates in the way it rolls around the sun. Right. So we don't know why it does that. We don't. That's and cool. We don't know which way the winds blow either. And so the idea is we think that there is a possibility that there are like prokaryote cells in the atmosphere that consume some type of gas and are turning it into sulfuric or the sulfuric acid wow. or vice versa. Wow. There's some type of cycle that's happening. Yeah. And does that's that what have, we seek to understand. Does that have to do with the color? Uh, I believe so. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Um, there's actually a lot of different colors of Venus. I, you think of that as like the yellow planet where uh -huh. it's like yellowy and it's got some white clouds on the right, top and right. bottom. But then I found some pictures by NASA and it's like a grayish blue. Really? So it's like, it's all over the place. That's weird. Yeah. That's really, that's really, really weird. Now I'm, I'm really glad you brought up the, um, possibility of my, like the microbial organisms. Kent State, they actually just started offering an astrobiology class. Ooh. Yeah. I, that's it, big. It, it was over the summer. Um, I don't know if they're still doing it over the school year, but I just kind of want to take it just like for fun. Yeah, you should. Yeah. It's it's so cool to think about like there's so many things on Venus that are not well understood that work differently here or there than they do over here. Yeah. So it's like if the laws of physics are kind of different on Venus, then how are the laws of life different? Exactly. Like these organisms can be completely different from like life as how we know it here. Yeah. You know? For sure. And it, it just, there's there's so many engineering challenges. It has no magnetic field. Mm -hmm. The atmosphere is terrible. So your spacecraft could just be dissolved by the time it makes it to the surface. Right. And then once you get there, the surface is hot enough to melt lead. So what kind of cooling are you going to have for your electronics? You know, normal traditional computers, like the computer right in front of me, they start not functioning at 100 degrees Celsius. Well, yeah. Like the surface temperature is like four or 500, 600 degrees Celsius. Like it's, it's a little toasty. So <laughs> you have to come up with all new sorts of technology yeah. for it. And you can't do satellite relay. The clouds are super dense. So you can only transmit over uh, super long wavelengths. Uh, I think AM. I think they're limited to like AM and FM radio. Okay. So you are really limited on how much information you can trans transfer at a time. Mm -hmm. Normally we use. I think we use microwave for a lot of information transferring, which is super fast. Right. Like Sirius XM, they use microwaves. Okay. Interesting. Um, but. Yeah, it, it has a lot of different engineering challenges. So, like, an example is you have a probe that's on the surface. Which way is the wind blowing? You don't know. We don't know. Right. Because it has no magnetic field. So how do I know How do I know which way I'm facing? Which yeah. way is up? Which way is down? There's, just, there's no way to know from a remote sensing standpoint. Mm -hmm. 
that is the coolest thing. I mean, you really are in a cutting edge space. Yes. Um, in, in terms of in terms of aerospace, like engineering and science, and you get to work with all these phenomenal people. Like you said, you're in collaboration with faculty at NASA, right? Yes. Uh, during my research, we actually had at my at the Honors College, mm-hmm. uh, which I'm a member of, we had a guest speaker come in, Jeff Wojtak okay. from NASA Glenn. And he spoke to us about, he's a systems engineer, very, very accomplished. There's yeah. pictures of him in the shuttle bay of the shuttles. And he's like, oh, yeah, this is my payload. And he's got, like, you know, two fingers up. And he's like, this is so cool. And he's wearing his bunny suit. That's awesome. Um, and he's, like, right in front of you. Yeah. You're like, wait, dude, like, this wait, is so cool. Wait, in, in um, aerospace, what do you guys call a bunny suit? A yeah, bunny suit. But like, what like what is the bunny suit? Because like in the hospital, we have we call our suit a bunny suit. And it's like this big poofy white thing, with like, and then we put with like bag slippers, and we have like a big poofy hat on. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Okay, so that's, um, it's just a universal term. I, I think it's similar to medical. It's not to the same degree of uh, we have the Liquid Crystal Institute. Yeah, I think there's there's levels. I forget what the how what the numbering is, but. We only are watching out for dust and, like, hair. Mm-hmm. So it's very similar for not as sterile as medical, but, like, we just don't want, like, dust and hair everywhere. Yeah. But then at, like, the LCI, they don't even need light particles. So then that's, like, a whole new level whole of, new bunny suit. like, a whole new bunny suit. Yeah. Like they can't even get light particles. <laughs> but in general, they're just the, these big poofy things yeah. that you have to put over your yeah. body. He looks real comfortable in the Florida heat <laughs> and the giant hanger with, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he was right in front of us. And I, I asked the question because he did a lot of mission design stuff. And I, and I was doing my research mm-hmm. on uh, the aero capture co-delivery. Yeah. And I'm thinking I'm all, I'm all cool. Like, oh, I'm cutting edge. Like, right. when's, when's this going to fly? Like, when, when <laughs> is this actually going to happen? And he told, he, you know, he broke it down to me like a fraction. It was like, yeah, a lot of missions don't fly. And a lot of the research, it gets done and it, it sits in a filing cabinet. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, but I appreciate your, like, tenacity of wanting to do it. Let me yeah. introduce you to the chief scientist for Venus, wow. uh, Dr. Bolsersky. So, so it just happened by you going up and talking to him? Yep. Wow. Yeah. That's and, amazing. Yeah, all of my friends, like, we had to go up to him because we're all, like, the geeky, nerdy aerospace engineers. Yeah. And my best friend Tristan was like, oh, like, uh, like what, what companies have you worked with? And he's like, oh, you know, he's casually name-dropping conversations with Elon Musk and really? SpaceX people. Wow. Yeah, because he's done consulting with them. Mm-hmm. And people in the defense industry, and we're all like, wow, like, that's crazy. And he's like, yeah, so let me put you in touch with this uh, Bolsersky guy, yeah. and maybe he can uh, help you out. And ever since then, I stayed in touch with Dr. Bolsersky, and he's actually leading a mission to Venus called the Leaves Concept, which is essentially he wants to deploy small kites almost in the atmosphere, okay. and they're going to float around, and he wants to deliver like 100 of them wow. in different parts of the planet, and they're going to float around and look for different species of sulfur or sulfuric acid, I believe. Different, I wrong. Different species? Yes. Yeah, so, like, so like sulfur-based life? Not sulfur-based life, but uh, the chemical compounds of sulfur are always different. Yeah. So he's looking for what is the actual compound itself. Wow. I don't know super much about it, so if I butchered it, I do apologize. <laughs> me, me neither. <laughs> um, but I, he's looking for different sulfur species, yeah. and it's going to help answer the question of where is all the gas coming from. Okay. He'll be able – It. he's hoping it'll help determine – he's got a background in planetary geology. Okay. And so he's, hel- he's hoping that it can help explain where the gas is coming from. He thinks it's going from the core of the planet, so mm-hmm. it's coming out and then somehow being sucked back in in some sort of cycle. 
That's weird. How would it be sucked back in? There's volcanoes. Oh. So volcanoes could be giving it out, and then it could just be reabsorbed through the soil. Okay. Or if there's there's microbes. Yeah. And there's something in that's the atmosphere. What, that, that would be so cool if that turned out into, like, you found microbes yeah. on Venus. And, that, and that's what he is uh, – so he's building that leaves mission, and he also did work with the Lissy Lander, and that was a entry probe concept that could survive the temperatures mm-hmm. and the surface conditions, yeah, and not need any active cooling. Okay. So none of the components on it are. Oh, we need to keep that cool. The components are built to withstand the the you know one thousand tor surface pressure. Yeah. And, you know they're it, it's a. Uh, so I think it was meant to live for like 60 days, and NASA has been testing it in their little facility that mimics that environment mm-hmm. for, how long was it in there? I think they pushed it up to like 60 days. Good, yeah. Um, and that's really impressive. And from a technology standpoint, some people may think, well, that's really cool that you got it to land on you know, Venus, but that doesn't do anything for Earth. The technology and the transistors uh-huh. that they built, they're called high band gap transistors, I believe. They can transmit huge amounts of energy between them, but they're really big and they're really slow. Right. We can use them in electric vehicles and in industrial applications. Really? How so, so I can use it to charge an electric car faster because if I do research on it, I can get it to withstand higher voltages mm-hmm. or the material to withstand higher heats. Right. I can then use it to charge an electric vehicle faster because an electric vehicle we want to get as much voltage in there at a time. Right, and that's one of the like the main challenges with them right now. Yes. Yeah. If you were to use a traditional silicon-based circuit board, it would just it would just fry up. Yeah. And it wouldn't do anything. Right. So it, the applications were really interesting in it. And Dr. Bolserski actually was working on some of those transistors, mm-hmm. and right now he's developing a camera. He wants to build a camera to go on the Lissy probe. Okay. And that's that, had that has its own challenges. Yeah, I, to be able to withstand all of that. Yeah, withstanding the temperature. Right now, the issue is the contact points on the transistor itself mm-hmm. are melting into the transistor and destroying it. I got you. Yeah, yeah. it's a little toasty. <laughs> Very toasty. Too yeah. toasty for me. Yeah. But do you think there's like ever potential for humans to go visit Venus, like in the near future? Um, or is I that like way too out there? I don't know because the the surface is just it's just it's such a hellish planet. Yeah, I don't think humans could ever be again. The surface pressure is so high. The temperature is really high. Mm-hmm. I mean, if we had a good enough technology to withstand it in some way, potentially. Um, I don't know if it's a good contender for humans to like walk around on. Right. But I do think it's a great way to learn about as during that conference. Uh, People were talking about, well, why do we want to learn about Venus? Well, you know, we have uh, issues of global warming here on Earth. Well, Venus is like the example of what we could look like right. if we have runaway greenhouse gases. So the challenge becomes, can we learn from Venus mm-hmm. and take it back to Earth? Right. And maybe in the future we'll have technology that can take a planet like Venus and turn it into a planet like Earth. Yeah. And kind of figure out those challenges that goes into it. Yeah. Hey, it's always so important to understand what has not yet been understood. Like yes. you said, well, there's so much that works different over there that we still cannot yet grasp. Yeah. There's so many gaps that need to be filled. And something I, I like saying a lot is there's so many more blocks that need to be be, be built. Yeah, and for sure. That's our job as, as scientists, as researchers, to create those blocks. And then, they, you know, sometimes they, they sit in a file cabinet, sometimes they sit on the shelf. But 
having more blocks gives us more opportunity, greater potential to build more buildings. Yes. And sometimes even if it's not what the blocks are necessarily intended for. Like you said, there's technology coming out of this project that could potentially affect the EV industry. 100%. You know? Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's just amazing to see how greater understanding from different fields can impact different areas of our life. And, and a lot of people, I, I was like this growing up too, where people would be like, we need to increase the budget of NASA. And it's like, well, NASA's like, they don't really do anything. Like they're just doing science. Like that doesn't, it, that doesn't impact me. Getting into it and learning about what NASA's doing, there's so much technology that comes out of NASA mm -hmm. that can impact our daily lives. The transistors was just one example, and that's just one that I know of. There's right. tons of things that they're working on in, in the health industry and things, I mean, even within space of, like, making sure people stay healthy. Mm -hmm. And um, the, the transistors were the only thing that stuck out to me because I was trying to, to learn more about it because I knew nothing about transistors. Right. And Dr. Bolsirski's like, well, I'm building a camera and that uses a transistor. So I'm like, got to Google that up. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you would you say that there was like a big learning curve? Because you're a sophomore. For you, being so young, getting into that, there was like a huge learning curve. Do you think? Or kind was it pretty of. easy to comprehend? It was, it was, it got... It was really steep for like a day, mm -hmm. and I actually never thought about the the learning curve. But yeah, the first day I met with Dr. Liu, yeah. we were talking about. I asked him about Kerbal Space Program because my friend Tristan said, "Oh, you got to ask him about Kerbal Space Program because like that's the orbits game." <laughs> and I asked him about it, and he said, "Yeah." And there were ver there was verbiage in the research papers like periapsis, apoapsis, uh, delta v, uh, the final radius, and you don't really understand those words, don't really understand it, but you just keep going because you get the general concept, right? And again, you just kind of fall into it. Yeah. <laughs> it was the gateway drug of just that one, that first meeting. Cause now I have a better understanding of all of those things. Cause I worked with them right. and I understand, you know, the periapsis, the apoapsis, like we're trying to minimize a Delta V cause that's how much fuel I have to burn mm -hmm. and how much velocity I have to change to increase or decrease my orbit. Yeah. And all of these concepts that I ended up working with, I just had, I just had a phenomenal research advisor. He yeah. scaled it perfectly. Mm -hmm. Like I, he never uh, pushed me to where I was overwhelmed and was completely lost. Right. He always was like, it was always an incremental push. Mm -hmm. It was read these research papers, ask me questions. Yeah. And I asked some really stupid questions like, <laughs> well, what's the bank angle? And he could only draw a little spaceship capsule so many times on his board. <laughs> yeah. But he, he stuck with it, and then eventually I learned more. And then he'd say, okay, well, now here's some MATLAB code. I want you to figure out what's happening here. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'd click-clack away, and I'm yeah. like, I think it's this. And he's like, very good, very good. And then eventually it's like, all right, you're going to do aero capture co-delivery to Venus. <laughs> and I'm like, That's awesome. all right. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's really nice how a lot of the research mentors here will will work with students because yeah. like you said they do it's it's very much like incremental and they don't overwhelm you with all this kind of stuff and like you said you never really thought about the learning curve yeah probably because you didn't feel like there was one no like too 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 much no, because they made it all. very manageable for you the only learning curve occurred when i 
started talking to Dr. Bolserski mm-hmm. and he started throwing out acronyms. <laughs> and I'm like, you, you got to tell me what the acronyms are. Yeah, some, and then, sometimes, sometimes the wording can get yeah. a little complicated. Yeah, he'll, he'll be like, oh, yeah, uh, uh, we have a new technology that's TRL4. Uh, I'm trying to push up my current project to a TRL5. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, what's TRL? And then he's yeah. like, it's the technology readiness level. And that's how uh, how space worthy something is. Yeah. So like once I think it goes up to seven. So when it's seven, that's actually like we're gonna fly, we're gonna do this mission. Oh, that's cool. And like that was, there was a lot, a lot of acronyms on the NASA side yeah. of things. But uh, yeah, no, Dr. Liu always scaled it. So mm-hmm. that was actually a good question because I I never really thought about a learning curve. Yeah. Right. But I, I think that that points to the idea where it's like so many people have this perception of research that intimidates them. Yeah. That prevents them from doing it. You know what I mean? I really wish a lot of people would just, you know, take that initiative and reach out. Give it a shot. You know, see where it lands you. See what, what it does for you. Not, not only does it give you new opportunities that you never thought you would have had and change your outlook on career possibility, but it gives you a completely new perspective with academics. It does. Mm-hmm. And, like, I have a, a good friend of mine, Tristan, who I was trying to convince him to do research. And I'm like, dude, like, you just got to do it. You learn so much. Like, mm-hmm. I got to the point in my research where I just physically just didn't have the knowledge yet because I haven't taken the courses. Right. And that's, like, a good feeling because then you go into these courses, like, math methods one. Wow. I'm so excited to learn about math. <laughs> But now I'm going into it. It's like I'm excited now because now I can then further my research a little bit further because then I'll learn differential equations, sequences and series. And I'm going to learn more, you know, the higher level math that I actually now want to learn. My buddy Tristan's like, well, I don't want to go into research. I don't want to be in academia. But it doesn't really doesn't really work like that. Like research is so broad. Mm -hmm. And that's why, I, you know, doing the SURE program this summer, I preach it to everybody. Yeah. Because you never know what doors are going to open. I was just some like freshman dweeb that wouldn't leave Dr. Liu alone because I was like, space is cool. Right. And now I co-authored an abstract really? with him. And oh, the wow. abstract is now going to get published by IPPW. That's awesome. And I'm going to France next week yeah. to, <laughs> to present the research. Yeah, it's gotta, like, what just happened? Like, <laughs> It just comes out of nowhere. Yeah. And then you look back on it and it's like, man, was I like completely like blessed with this. Yes. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you got to tell us tell us a bit more about your trip to France. Yeah, so I actually had a meeting with Haley, mm-hmm. Haley Dees, to talk about the SURE program because yeah. I was interested in it. And I was kind of setting up for with Dr. Liu. I yeah. was like, maybe I should do it this summer. And I'm going to, like, bring it up to him really subtly. And I'm thinking I'm, like, 10 steps ahead of him. So I have a meeting with uh, Haley, and she tells me about big, – big, big shout-out to Haley. Oh, yeah, yeah. big shout-out. So I had a meeting with her. And she tells me about, you know, conferences and how the research program goes. Mm -hmm. So I had a meeting with Dr. Liu, like, the next day. He beats me to the gun. He's like, have you thought about the SURE program? And I'm like, no, he got me. He was ahead of me. And I shared with him my interest of going on a conference. Uh And he goes, well, I'll look around. And I'm thinking, you know, oh, great, cool. Like, maybe I can go to, like somewhere oh yeah cleveland you you weren't thinking like anywhere like (laughs) and he goes here's a did you get that link i sent you it's it's in france and it's all it's in august i'm like cool yeah i can go to france like (laughs) (laughs) it's cool (laughs) yeah and uh i ended up doing the sure program with him and he's Mm -hmm. like you're gonna present the findings in france wow so the research that i worked on we discussed aero capture 
and I've been throwing around the term co-delivery. Uh, so co-delivery aero capture is that time of duration when we're in the atmosphere and we get really, really low in altitude. Mm-hmm. It's been found that we can deploy probes. And it helps deliver them to a closer location. I don't need as much guidance because normally, get this, like I'm approaching Mars, for example. Uh So like the Perseverance rover, I believe, it separated like 40 to 50 days before it even entered orbit. Really? So it's just chilling there for 50 days, like months, just chilling, just, you know, cruising behind it. And then it follows its entry trajectory. Mm -hmm. But that's 50 days worth of like battery life. Right. So instead, for aero capture co-delivery, you separate right before the orbiter completes the aero capture maneuver, mm-hmm. and that way you need less guidance for it. Right. So my research specifically was all the previous work was done for uh, separations before entry in the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Dr. Liu and I wanted to focus on what are separations in atmosphere okay, in and atmosphere. what happens. Yeah. yeah. So how did you necessarily test that? So it's all MATLAB, glorified computer programmer. Yeah. What, what, what is MATLAB exactly? So MATLAB is, uh, it's, it's a programming language. Uh-huh. It's basically, um, it's very similar to Python, okay. if you've heard of Python. I've heard of Python, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've, t- I've messed around in Python a little bit because it seems, it seems easier to comprehend than a lot of the other. Yes. Yeah, I start off in R. That is a very hard language. For stati- <laughs> well, it was for like statistics stuff. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. R is, oh, who was I talking to about R? I, don't, I think it was a mathematics major. Yeah. And they were like, I use R. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, ooh. Um, when I say started out, it's just taking YouTube tutorials and copying exactly what they did yeah. with my numbers. <laughs> yeah. R, R is a hard language. Yeah. Uh, MATLAB, it's a paid service. So mm-hmm. a lot of people err more towards Python. You can do very similar stuff with both. Uh, but MATLAB's a programming language that super easy to use and i think there's like a weird clause with it where anything you run with matlab is insured by the company that makes mat mat matlab so if you're building a 10 million dollar building yeah and you run the code on matlab and the numbers are wrong matlab is insuring you for 10 million dollars so basically like it's guaranteed to work they're they're like that confident in the program yes that's great so it's kind of the industry standard in engineering all your numbers are run on matlab um, although I heard NASA talking to Dr. Bolserski, like they do some crazy stuff at NASA. They're using like Linux programs that yeah. like don't run correctly on Windows and they use like C and it's all over the place. Yeah. But at least in academia, we, we use uh, MATLAB. MATLAB, yeah, standard. Um, and so a lot of it is just giant programs. Dr. Liu actually gave me a starter program mm-hmm. it was uh it was actually from a conference that he went to when he was a measly undergrad yeah he shared it with me and taught me how to manipulate it and how to change it and so like 50 percent of that learning curve was learning how to code gotcha. and then the other was interpreting graphs understanding what was happening mm-hmm. there were so many times where the code was wrong and it's just like yeah. like uh a lot of it was generating surface plots. I don't know if you've used a lot of surface plots. I, I haven't used them, but I've looked at them. Yeah, they're really pretty to me. Yeah. <laughs> so much fun. I would always switch the axes, mm-hmm. and it would just be sad because he would. I'd get all excited. I'm like, look at all these results I got and all these graphs, Dr. Liu. And he'd be like, yeah, the axes are wrong. It's switched. <laughs> and I'm like, oh. <laughs> a lot of it was coding. Yeah. But then once you get into that groove, uh, MATLAB was pretty simple to use. Mm-hmm. Did you think that you would learn so much through coding? as an engineer major? Um, I kind of did, okay. a little bit. 
Um, I learned it very quickly my first day of engineering, intro to engineering class. Yeah. And taking MATLAB, I realized, like, oh, I should have done more programming in high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I didn't. I haven't taken any programming classes before coming here. And now that I'm here in college, right. I'm like, I can, can't get enough. Like, yeah. I'm always thinking to myself, like, I could program a, a program to do that. Like, ugh. Like, ugh, I could just program to do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like you said, like the re- doing like the research and like having purpose for like implementing these tools makes you more motivated to like pursue them. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a really satisfying feeling when your code runs mm-hmm. and like you'll just sit there for, for sometimes a couple hours and you're just like, why won't you run? <laughs> and you'll scream at your computer. But eventually it works. Yeah. And I, I heard it can be like really, really frustrating. Sometimes. Yeah. And it was funny because so. My laptop right here, I was running all my research mm-hmm. on this laptop. So I'm like grinding it into the ground, yeah. basically. Because some of those simulations that I do take a couple minutes to run, which sounds like a brief amount of time. But when I'm looking for like one answer, right. <laughs> like I want like just one number, it's like agitating. So my laptop would like spin up and it would just go tss, like really? all the time because it would overheat. Yeah. So I'm pushing like 93 degrees Celsius. So I ended up, I got to buy a desktop. You know, I was able to convince some people where I was like, I need the desktop. Yeah, so then I got... Did they pay for it? No, the college didn't pay for it. I okay. paid for it. But it was just a funny excuse of like, well, I need the desktop now. Yeah. So now I have this cool desktop that I could run all my Sims on. And it runs so much faster. And it's like ridiculous. Like I got the, I got like the highest end CPU yeah. um, with like, it's got, what is it? Like 20 cores. So uh-huh. now when I run code, so my laptop has eight cores. My desktop has 20. Yeah. So I'm able to run code like... 200% faster. Yeah. And <laughs> like you said, and besides that, you just use it for Minecraft. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. It's great. It's yeah. just like, oh, I have all this processing power. And then it's like, oh, I'm done doing research. Yeah, let me go play Minecraft now. Yeah. yeah. Pretty good game of Minecraft. <laughs> yeah. It, it is. We, we talked about this earlier. It is interesting to see, like, how far computer technology has come. Yeah. You know? And it's like where it used to be as big as a room where it had less processing power than our phones have now. You know what I mean? Yeah, and we use it for much like more leisurely reasons. Yeah. Uh, there's a book I'm reading, Runway to Orbit, and the processing power for the simulation computers for the shuttle program had kilobytes of processing power. Yeah. I built my desktop. I inserted my M.2 NVMe that's like four inches long. It's got two terabytes, uh-huh. and its read-write speed is six terabytes per second, so it can rewrite itself in less than a second. Wow. <laughs> Just click it in there, boom. But what do I do with it? I'm playing Minecraft. Play Minecraft. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> not, I'm not I'm not building a space shuttle program or going into space. I'm playing Minecraft. Right. Yeah. Right. In, 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 in the free time. Yes. In the free time. Yeah. It's good to have. It's you know. It's good to have like balance. It is that kind of stuff. You know yeah. what I mean? I think I think I've gone through phases where like I've just done work and like no balance, and my productivity like decreases when yeah. I'm just work. Yeah, it's there's sometimes where you like kind of like have to do that, like if you're like really crammed. But I mean, overall, it's always important just like have those couple hours or whatever, five hours, even five hours, whatever, just to play Minecraft. Yeah, do whatever it is. You know? I, I had a good, I had a good routine where it's like you just grind through the week. Mm-hmm. Like you can even take sleep deficits where it's like, oh, I'm only gonna get seven hours of sleep or six hours of sleep. Yeah, grind through the week. Friday, you go out. Friday night after your work day, uh-huh. you go have fun. Friday night. And then stay out however Saturday is your recoup day of yeah. just like, man, I had fun Friday night. And then Sunday you get up early and like Sunday is your work day. Mm-hmm. And I found that was like a super helpful way to help create that balance. Yeah. So you at least always had time, you know, to go out with friends. Because right. everyone else is free on the weekends too. And yeah. everyone else is struggling through college. Mm-hmm. So and everyone wants to go have fun on the weekend. Yeah. So 
So that, that, that that's like your ideal routine. Yeah. It's the like Sunday through Thursday and then Friday go out or Sunday through Friday and then Friday night go out. Yeah. Friday night is Saturday like you go out, day. you have fun. And then Saturday is like you're sleeping until 1 p.m., 2 p.m., like have just a lunch, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> eat, eat a pizza for breakfast type right. thing. Just and, like yeah. do it at like a snow day type of feel. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like a college yes. type of night and then like a grade school snow day type of field exactly like that's your day to transition chill in your bed like scroll through instagram Mm -hmm. watch funny youtube videos and then sunday's your day to be like okay like we're gonna get back into it yeah 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 um there was this really good analogy from like a professor i was watching on youtube and he was like we all have a certain amount of marbles right and the marbles represent time and we all have a certain amount of cups and the cups represent like our responsibilities and then we choose to see, you know, which cups we fill up with marbles. Sometimes our cups can get, like, full all the way to the top. And then he takes a bottle of sand. And he pours the sand in there. And he's like, no matter how full your cups may seem, you always have time to go out to the friends. Yes. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> and that's what the sand represents, you know. So I yeah. really, really like, like that analogy. It's important to have that because you don't want to get burned out. Right. And it's also a great reminder to remember um, there's other people that are just like you, Mm -hmm. you know, everyone else is working hard. Like that was the hardest part this summer. I was working, I was doing the sure program remotely and I was working a part-time job and it was really hard because I wasn't able to Friday nights go out with friends because everyone else is doing the same thing and not everybody lives in my hometown. Mm -hmm. So it it was hard to find that balance. Um, But now I'm back. Back in the groove. <laughs> Back in the Back groove. Back in the groove with yeah. it. Back in the groove with it. Doing doing those two jobs over the summer is like really hard. It was. It sucks to work a well, I was working a seven thirty to three thirty and then mm-hmm. you come home and you can't like relax. Right. Then it's like, Well, I gotta go do some research. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And you're just like, man, this isn't that fun. Yeah. And research, it's like a strenuous thing, you know? It's very strenuous, especially if you get stuck and then you're like, well, and like your code's not running. And then you're like, oh, I have this $2,000 computer and (laughs) I can't even, I can't even program it. Right. Yeah. But you get through it. Yeah. And, you know, because of that hard work that got put in, I get to go to France. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So great. I mean, yeah, great opportunities come out of it. Yeah. Are you now, are you still going to be continuing your research over the school year? So that's a that's an interesting question. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you have the three minute thesis and the symposium, but yeah. yeah. So there's the sure program requirements that I have to complete, right. and then on top of that, my research that I did is nowhere near being complete. Okay. It's like just scratched the surface, and there's a lot of different roads I can go down at this point. Mm-hmm. So my research advisor is actually transferring to uh, Worcester Polytechnic okay. right outside of Boston. Yeah. So he won't be here anymore. For, transferring from, from Kent to there. He's trans Yeah, he's transferring from Kent, so he's leaving me. Okay. It was really sad. Yeah. It was a sad goodbye. Um, I can but imagine, yeah. For, for him, it's a fun, you know, he, that's where he wanted to be. Right. Uh, and he got to take his GAs with him. So for him, it was a good move. So I don't hate him for it. Right. That leaves me in an awkward position because he – Told me when I graduate, consider WPI for grad school. Yeah. He got, he's like, you know, if I have funds, I might be able to, to work with you a little bit right. there. And I'm thinking, oh, cool. So that's an option. But I don't know where that leaves me now. So my idea is I might table it, mm-hmm. work on it as a senior thesis. Okay. Hopefully by then I can <laughs> – I'll have more mathematic background to yeah. – uh, 
to figure it out. Or there's been some opportunities down the road where the like Dr. Bolserski, who I'm working with, mm-hmm. he might want to develop a CubeSat venture between Kent State and the Glenn Research Center. That would be awesome. It would be a phenomenal opportunity yeah. for our university and our college. Mm-hmm. So that might be an opportunity I would pursue. And you know, I'm going to this conference in France. I don't know who I'm going to meet there. There might be opportunities there that I don't know about. Uh, I'm sure there will. I'm yeah. sure there will. And like you said before, um, I mean, all it took was you initiating that conversation. Yeah. Yeah. All I had to do was came up to uh, Wojtek at the end of his presentation, and I'm just like, hey, man, I like space. And yeah. how does, you know, when is my, when is my research going to get used? It's like, <laughs> all right, pipe down, Billy. Like, that's not going to happen. <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah. funny. But you just you learn so much, and everybody everybody loves what they do in that field, mm-hmm. and I legitimately love it too. I I'm, can tell. I'm yes. looking forward to the tell. day where I get a paycheck. Mm-hmm. Like I can't believe I'm going to be paid for this to yeah. just sit, talk with scientists, learn about planets, learn about the engineering challenges, and just collaborate with people. Yeah. I love it. That's when you know that you found a dream. Yes. Is when you're like, I can't believe that I'm getting paid for this. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I said that to my mom and she was really, she was taken aback by it because mm-hmm. her whole thing was like, well, why are you doing the SURE program? Right. And like, it doesn't pay very well. And, you know, I just kind of sat, smiled and I'm like, I legitimately enjoy what I do. Yeah. And she's like, all right, that's, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have to. Yeah. You know, because like it's not an easy road to no. it's not an easy road to get there at all. But yeah. I mean, like we were saying earlier, if you love what you do, it doesn't feel like work. Pe- you know, people won't understand that. People will be like, well, why are you sacrificing all of this if you're not getting anything out of it? And it's like two reasons, because I love the process, what I'm doing right now. Second reason, I have a vision. I can see the future and I need to take what's on my mind and put it into reality. And that is more fulfilling than any sort of compensation that can be thrown at me in the moment. Yeah, and I love that. I wish I had those points to, to, to argue at the time. <laughs> I did too. Yeah. It took me, you know, it took me like a while to, to word it that way. But it's like in the moment, starting it, it's what I knew what I was feeling. And so, you know, I just went with that gut feeling, like doing this research, you know, working on my skills, my technical abilities and meeting people was more important. I just felt my gut was more important to capitalize on in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. And now I'm able to word it that way. Yeah. But at first, that's not what I, you know, I was just going with that gut instinct. Yeah. You're just like, well, this is what I feel. This is what I believe. Right. It's kind of hard to, you know, it's like, well, what's your actual argument there instead of you just feeling over there? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you don't even like understand it. Yeah. You know, you're just like, but yeah, sometimes you just know like, Hey, this may not make sense to some people or either me, but I feel like I have to do it. Yeah. You know? and, but it's like, look where it takes you. Yeah, and, and you really fall in love with what you do. It's a mm-hmm. beautiful thing. I always encourage people to figure out what that is and take it and run. And if people are telling you otherwise or saying, hey, like you probably shouldn't do that. If you legitimately love what you're doing, you're going to make it. Yeah. And don't be following something for money. Don't be following something for clout mm-hmm. and to get you know fame from it. If you're really, really good at it and you love what you do, then you're going to have all the fame, the reputation, and the money that and the success that comes with it because people are going to recognize that and they're going to come to you for that advice. They're going to come to you for that expertise. Yeah, yeah, no. People can, like, sense that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and if you just become, like, this, this very well-rounded, bright person, people will revolve around you. Yeah. People will come to you. And then 
I mean, and then you get to be put in the position where you get to give back to those those really motivated students or younger people who are reaching out to you, kind of like you did after the conference. Yeah, to to kind of work in a little promo here, yeah. I've uh, restarted our American Institute of Aeronautics and Astronautics chapter here at Kent State, really? the AIAA. That's awesome. Yeah, tell uh, us a little bit about that. So that came into, well, I during my meeting with Haley, mm-hmm. funny enough, uh, always right place, right time. Yeah. It's always just luck, and you fall into everything. I'm having a meeting with Haley, and one of our faculty came down and said, Haley, like, we need to talk about AIAA stuff. And she's like, well, I don't really have somebody to lead it because mm-hmm. Haley's busy. He's right. got a lot of stuff going on. It's crazy, yeah. So I'm kind of sitting there, a little smirk, and I said, well, you need somebody to lead the AIAA? <laughs> so I had a meeting with that faculty member, and we restarted the club. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I grabbed all my friends. I'm like, dude, we're doing this. And everyone's like, all right, I'm on board. Wow, that's awesome. And uh, – my my goal is to inspire people to get that same feeling mm-hmm. from their major. Yeah. So even though it's aerospace professionals, um, we'll welcome anybody that wants to participate. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be a lot of professional development. And my goal is to have speakers come yeah. and present what they do. And hopefully at the end, like it'll be super informal, like come sit down at a table with us yeah. and like have some snacks and like just talk with everybody. And that way, you know, if we have somebody that a student is really interested in, they can connect with that person mm-hmm. and then they can hopefully fall into the amazing tunnel that I did of, you know, the gateway drug with Dr. Lou. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Dude, that's awesome. I'm really glad that you're starting that back up again. Yeah, uh, we're <laughs> it's it's a little bit of a it's it's really funny. We mm-hmm. don't have a lot of promotional material yet. Okay. So we have blast off coming yeah. on coming up all the freshmen moving in on mm-hmm. campus. That's going to be our target audience. And uh, I purchased a trifold for our table, uh-huh. but we, we don't have anything to put on it. Uh-huh. So what we did was <laughs> I talked to my, my the vice president, my uh-huh. buddy Tristan, and we were like, well, I guess we're just going to print out some aerospace company logos yeah. and we're just going to tape it to the trifold <laughs> and we're just going to put down America KSUAIAA and yeah. <laughs> just kind of go from there. <laughs> well, how, how, did, how did it work out? Uh, well, Blastoff, we, we'll find out on Sunday. Oh, that's right. Blastoff hasn't even started yet. Oh, yeah. Blastoff yeah. hasn't happened. I actually, I just cut out the logos today, but I mean, whatever. It'll attract people. Yeah. If we have like Lockheed Martin logos and stuff, people will come people over and be like, like, you know, like, what's going on over here? Yeah, true. So hopefully that's that's how it'll work. But yeah. It's just funny. It's going to it's gonna be a little janky for a while until well, it becomes established. That, 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 that'll be cool because then, you know, people get the idea that it's a little bit more like laid back. It's oh, yeah. More, you're more approachable that way. For sure. You know, sometimes if people go like over the top with promotional material and they're like really uptight about everything, people kind of like have that intimidation factor, and especially as freshmen, and they shy away from it a little bit. You know what I mean? That's actually a good point. Mm-hmm. I'll have to that, I'll bring that up in the next officer meeting where it's like, officer you know, yeah, yeah, it'll be, you know, actually, we're taking an informal approach with our trifold. Yeah. Boom, there you go. That's good. Even, I, you know, I, like I said, I really, really appreciate you starting this back up again. I think it's going to help out a lot of kids. Um, if there's anything that this podcast can do to promote that, like if you have posts and you want us to promote it on our social media, I would be more than happy to do so. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I will. Or like if any of, like, the founders want to, like, come on or anything. Yeah. Um, you should uh, – I should get Tristan on here at yeah. some point because he's an interesting person to talk with. <laughs> and uh, I will – there's actually a lot I, – I will keep in touch with you because yes. there are some opportunities that we talked with where we might want to host a scientist or an engineer, mm-hmm. and we're going to open it to the whole university. Yeah. And have people from any background come in and be able to ask questions and mm-hmm. then kind of get on the same level – 
because sometimes presentations, they're cool, like the lecture series that I've been to with for different planets. The presenter kind of stands up at the front and then people walk up to them and ask questions. But I'd love to see a, a format where the presenter presents and then we all sit down at a table together. Yeah, that and we like group, share ideas. Group discussion type of thing. Yeah. yeah. So I would and I envision we're going to have uh, speakers open to the whole university, speakers open to engineering, speakers open to specific majors. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, we're not going to exclude people, right. but more targeted towards specific majors or the whole university. So we could always even work out if somebody wanted to come on and you could then talk that you could talk to Dr. Bolserski and he'll be able to tell you if it's actually what the leaves mission was. Right. And, and I think it would be a good way to give a, give exposure to different stuff that's going on. I love having people like you on because it get, puts me in a position to like know cutting edge stuff going on. Oh that, yeah. Like, no one talk because there's so many great opportunities and ideas that are on the rise that no one knows about, you know, so much potential. It just needs to be promoted. You know what it I mean? Does. It's like, this yeah. is like one of those things where I think it could be, especially with the whole idea where you have on leading it as a group discussion. I know, I think that's something that has the potential to really, really take off. Yeah. It, I really just do think it's all about promotion. Yeah. And make it less intimidating to walk up to the person with 40 years of experience, throwing right. up peace signs in front of the <laughs> shuttle payloads in yeah. a bunny suit. And instead, you approach them as a person and a colleague, and because mm-hmm. that's that's really what engineering is. And there's like so many like quote generational gaps between engineers. Like I hear all the time where people are like, "Oh yeah, all the Apollo engineers are leaving," and now like now there's another generational gap. Like the last time we flew to the moon, and but if we can create it as a less intimidating environment where we're all on the same level, we can all just hang out because we all like the same things. Like right. we all like space, you know, we're, we all love the same things. Like let's, we, we don't need to consider ourselves as like, Oh, well that person's got 40 years of experience. That just means that then you can talk to them and they know more specific <laughs> answers. Right. And yeah. they love to share. You oh know yeah. What I mean, cause it's like, if, if you think about it, I mean, they're just exactly like us but they're like 40 years older or whatever, yeah. you know? And w- when I think about it, when I'm 40 years old, I'm going to want kids to come up and ask me questions. Yeah. You know, I'm going to want to share what I've learned with the people, with people that I see that are motivated who want to get to my position, you know, like that, that like fuels me. Yeah. And, um, it's, it's always exciting to walk up to a faculty member and just mm-hmm. ask them, like, what's your research about? And right. they'll light up and they they'll do. talk to you about it. Yeah, they and do. And students for the SURE program, I worked one of the tables for mm-hmm. a recruiting event on, ooh, when was that? It was like a week before I moved in for RA training. And I got to meet so many people in the SURE program where I would just say, hey, like, what was your research project on? And, like, there were so many crazy things that people were doing. And they'd yeah. light up and they were all excited. And you're like, that's very impressive. Yeah, like, I know. That, that, that's the exact – I have the same feeling. That's the exact reason, like, I started the podcast. This was a year – it's been going on for, like, a year. I did the SURE program last year. And I lived in, in the Centennials because that's where, like, the housing was at the Swanky time. Swanky living. Yeah. <laughs> but they had a uh, – they we had, like, a communal kitchen. And then I, I would just, like, go out and cook in the kitchen. And, you know, we would all just talk about our research projects. That same thing. People just light up, you know. Yeah. It's like this – everyone is so is – so, everyone who does research becomes so passionate about what they're studying. It's it's amazing. Yeah, and, and that collaboration is, is very important because then it sources inspiration for other, for other things. Yeah. There are many times I would be – you know, I'd get stuck on something in my research or I'd get confused and get kind of lost and be like, I don't even know what we're doing anymore. Right. 
And then I would do, I would change gears. I'd have a meeting with Dr. Bolserski and I talked to him about his research, like what he's working on. And he shared with me the Lissy probe and that it was taking, or it wasn't Lissy, it's called the save, but they're like the same thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, They were taking seismic measurements on Venus. They wanted to figure out what's going on in the core of the planet. And to take seismic measurements on a planet, you need to be thousands of kilometers apart Mm -hmm. so that you're on different parts of the planet and you can measure the same earthquake. Right. And so I thought to myself, hmm, I wonder if this could be used in my research. Yeah. And so that was actually one of our big, like, findings and focuses was what happens when we separate in atmosphere. And the advantage is I can deliver things and probes. Well, I should say not things, but we can deliver probes at a distance of thousands of kilometers within one drop. Mm-hmm. I don't need to orbit around the planet and do fancy maneuvers. I can just, you know, drop them and by their aerodynamic characteristics, they can float on over to thousands of kilometers apart. That is really, really cool. Would you say that's going to be like one of your main talking points at France? It will be. That'll be my big thing to like, France, I say? yes, yeah. that'll be my big thing to like bring people in but I, I found out I can't like reveal it right away. Right, so right, it has right. to be like the There's a build up. Yeah, I have yeah. to I have a one minute, one slide presentation. So mm-hmm. when for the sure program we have to do three minutes and they're like, make sure you rehearse and I'm like, Man, I only got one minute. <laughs> and it's like fifty seconds because they do the intro. Right. And so I I shared with Dr. Liu my my script a little bit. He's like, I can't, you can't reveal the info. So I'm going to be like, we delivered in atmosphere and we were thinking about downrange distances, Uh period. And then just (laughs) be done. Um, The the problem with it is Mm -hmm. the downrange distances, the research portion on that, the time spent is nothing compared to everything else that I did research on. It was kind of just a thing that was thrown in there because it was one of my ideas. Right. Your ideas. Yeah. Yeah. Well, stolen from Dr. Bolserski in the SAVE mission. So Dr. Kremick and Dr. Bolserski, I kind of stole that idea from. Yeah, but, you, I mean, you were the one that who, who like, proposed it. Yes. Yeah. And you have to do a lot of confirmations for it. So you have mm-hmm. to do what's called a Monte Carlo simulation, okay. which is, like, it chooses a random number within a certain range, and it runs the simulation. And it's basically going to say, does this work? Does it not work? On average, what could we expect? Right. So there's some extra analysis that needs to be done for downrange to say for certain that it works. Mm -hmm. Because the other issue is we need to make sure the probes aren't going to collide into each other when they separate. But we just ran out of time for it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You're talking about like kind of like the build up type of thing. Yeah. Uh, I had a research mentor of mine who was like doing those short presentations it's kind of like flirting with the audience. <laughs> you, use, you use the push and pull method. You know yes. what I mean? Like you give them something and then, and then they're going to want more. You build up that, that tension and then the release. Yes. You know what I mean? And I, thought that, I thought that was like really helpful to me <laughs> when I was just doing my, my recent presentation. But we, we talked a lot about like the communication skills. You know what I mean? Uh, The communications, especially between what I found was communications between scientists and engineers. That was a lot of the work with Dr. Bolserski Mm -hmm. and his actual position. He's a what's called a PI, a principal investigator. So he's kind of in charge of different missions Mm -hmm. and he puts them together. He has like the overarching big picture mindset Mm -hmm. of engineers and scientists coming together and there's a lot of miscommunication that takes place and so 
what did he tell he had a really good quote i wanted to write down but it was like usually science drives innovation Mm -hmm. so uh we want to i think it was science drives innovation so like uh, we want to get this type of measurement, and how can we do that? Engineers, figure that out. Right. But also, you can do it, he, said, he argues the opposite way as well is where innovation can drive science. Mm-hmm. Like the need. Yeah, so yeah. my idea on uh, delivering these probes in atmosphere to get the extreme downrange differences, I don't know what the science implications are. You right. can do seismic activity, but there might be somebody down the road that wants to do a science mission and thinks, man, like, what, what if I separated my probes this far apart? Yeah. And then that can lead to something down the road. Not necessarily aero capture co-delivery, but then they can use it to inspire their own research. Mm-hmm. And so having that open collaboration can source so much inspiration for individual research projects and whole entire missions alone as well. Yeah. Do you think there's uh, gaps in communication? Between scientists and engineers right now? I do think there's a little bit of a gap. Okay. Um, Because the the book I'm reading right now is a good example of... uh, What's the book again? uh, Runway to Orbit. That's right, Runway to Orbits. And it's about the the shuttle program. And the first flight of the Enterprise... uh, Who was the scientist? I forget the engineer's name, Mm -hmm. but he says uh, the scientists wanted so many sensors that it would have never flown. It was just going to like just sit on the launch pad because it would just be hundreds and thousands of pounds <laughs> of just sensors. And yeah. it's like, this is unnecessary. Right. So he's like, we only want the flight characteristics. But if you had an understanding of both, you could find that healthy medium. Mm-hmm. Because if we did just pure engineering, the scientists are going to be upset because it's like, dude, like we have the opportunity to take advantage of a flight that right. we're putting in suborbital. You know, we have a suborbital flight. The engineers are like, we just want to know how it flies. Yeah. You know? <laughs> So it's yeah, it's important to have that sort of like that communicate that collaboration. Yes, yeah, yeah. and it, and again, it, it sources inspiration. I can't stress enough how many times I talk with Dr. Bolserski, and hopefully, I've had that impact on him as well of talking about the research that I'm working on to kind of exchange ideas and inspiration, mm-hmm. and then it can source new ideas like the downrange delivering, yeah. which. I didn't think was going to be a big deal until I started making my research poster. And I was like, this could be a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's a, that's a great fact to realize right now, especially, you know, only going into your sophomore year. You know, I think you're really, really ahead of the curve on a lot of this kind of stuff. I think you have like a really, really bright potential in front of you. Yeah, I appreciate that. I just, again, I, I'm, I'm just having fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just, it's all fun for me. Yeah, when you, when you love it, it just feels like fun. Yeah. You know, when you it's love like, it, it feels like fun. I'm going to, I'm going to go to France. Like, yeah. sure, cool. I get to talk to people about my research. Dope. Yeah. And then um, working with Dr. Bolserski, it's like, get to talk to him about space and planets mm-hmm. and working with AIAA. It's the epitome of an excuse to talk to like high level people. Right. I can go walk up to our alumni who are employees at Northrop Grumman, Lockheed Martin mm-hmm. and go, Hey, like I'm from the AIAA. Come talk to us about airplanes. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. And then I mean, that gives you the opportunity to connect with them. Yeah. You know, it's great. Great place yeah. to be in. You have a good, it gives you a good like background. Yeah. Like I remember when I did my Eagle Scout project. It oh was, really? You were in Eagle Scouts? Yeah. So I, I did uh scouts. Uh, I did Boy Scouts. I couldn't get past Scout because I didn't know how to tie the knot. <laughs> there was like one knot, like I just couldn't get past. I was like, yeah. what, what was your what was your project? Uh, it was a big project. What was it? Uh, so I built a prisoner of war missing in action memorial. Really? Yes. 
Um, so the epitome of that project was like, you could go around and talk to businesses and ask for donations, uh-huh. but you had like so much, uh, like, what's it called? Like the Greek word is ethos. Yeah. So you could be like, I'm working on my Eagle Scout project. Talk to me, like, give right. me money. Um, and it was, it was just great. You got to meet a lot of different people mm-hmm. and I'm hoping to have that from the AIAA. Yeah. But yeah. Eagle, a big Eagle Scout project. I did it cause I always, uh, shamed people for building benches and doing like flowers in the park. Yeah. Um, so I built, it was like a $10,000 project. Wow. F- built it for, it took two and a half years. Really? Yeah. The, and how, how old were you when it was finished? Uh, when it finished, I think I was like 17. Okay. I think it was like the sum that my, my going into my senior year, I think it got finished. Um, so like the rest of my senior year it was done, but yeah, I wouldn't recommend it just to like feel good about yourself. Be like, I built a big project. Well, it was I, a lot of hard work. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it, you know it does. It does. You know, having those memorials does mean like a lot. You know, to to it, people. It does. I do think there's not a lot of awareness to mm-hmm. prisoners of war and those that are missing in action. Yeah, uh, it's really sad to learn about. Like, there are U.S. soldiers that, but mm-hmm. there are people that are out there that aren't home. They're yeah. not back on U.S. soil. And uh, when we were done built, we did a dedication ceremony for it with like the local VFW and everybody that was involved. And mm-hmm. I remember we had there was some veterans that were walking by because it's in a cemetery with like sidewalks right by it. So right. it's at like the front of the cemetery. Right. Um, and he was like, wow, like the community really needed this. Yeah. And I was like, well, great. I'm glad that we're raising some awareness to this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it definitely like meant a lot to that guy probably. Yeah. And yeah. I, I hope that it um, – Again, like it's, it, there's a lot of efforts that go into it of, uh, we, we want people to be back home. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like the promise that the military makes is like, we'll bring you back home. Yeah. And for families to, to kind of be like, well, that person's still out there and, you know, prisoners of war and like just the treatment of humans is just horrible. And you're just like, we really need to educate more about this so that you don't fall into the same loop. Mm-hmm. Totally. No. Yeah. Thank you for doing that. Oh, you're welcome. I, again, that was it, it was a it was a pet project of thinking, you know, well, I want to do something big, right. and then it was another thing that you fell into. I, I'm notorious for just falling into stuff. Yeah, I met with the VFW, and I was like, oh, like I can repl- like I can fix your roof or something, and I then was like, well, actually, I should build a memorial. That's a good idea. Yeah, that is a really good idea. So, given like the background that you have right now and the skills that you developed. Where do you think you would like to go in the future? Like, what is your ideal career? Or would you like to receive more advanced education? Well, definitely going to grad school. Okay. Masters uh, or PhD? Definitely masters. Okay. I don't know about PhD. Yeah. I, I, gotta, I need to reconsider if I want to continue doing research mm-hmm. in the same capacity that I am now. Because yeah. eventually you start getting to the point where you, I, it might be a, because of my point in education, because mm-hmm. I don't understand all the mathematics yet, but you get to the point where it's like, been there, done that. Like, I'm just doing this to prove it. Right. I see what you're saying. And I've really come to really like mission design, mm-hmm. talking with Dr. Bolserski and him saying, oh yeah, like we're working on this or speaking with Wojtek and learning about, uh, like systems engineering. Yeah. So I think I might want to do like mission design. So maybe get a master's in systems engineering or just continue in aerospace. I really don't know. I'm going to see what I can fall into. I'm having an open mind and see yeah. where you land. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm having fun and kind of, again, like I'm definitely going to ma- again, again, get a master's right. in something and just kind of keep options open. But 
I would see myself maybe starting a, a company of my own. Yeah, I think that'd be really, really cool. Yeah, I, I don't know what we were going to do or what we're going <laughs> to sell. I always tell my friends that where I'm like, oh, I'll hire you. Like, do you, definitely. Do you have any idea what you would name it? I have no idea. We don't. I don't know what's. I don't know what it's called. I don't know what it, what we're gonna sell. Yeah. I always tell my friends though, where it's like, I'll hire you. Like, we'll, we'll work together. <laughs> but it, it it is cool to be like, an independent guy. Oh yeah. Be in the position to give people opportunities. Like you said, like you'd always tell your friends, like you'd hire that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's it's cool to like know that the people around you will always be in good hands because you can provide that to them. Yeah. And because I, I have like a very unique management leadership mm -hmm. style and it's rubbed off on like, you know, being in scouting for 12 years yeah. and, um, you know, working at different jobs and being here at Kent State. Like I learned so much about leadership and how to treat other people just from my research mentor, Dr. Mm -hmm. Liu. It was incredible. Like I have a whole new perception of how to treat others in an academic setting yeah. and how to encourage people to learn. And I would just want people to like be excited to come come to work, mm -hmm. and be like, yeah, like we're doing this thing. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I'm really glad you brought that up because like I think a lot of the research mentors here, they you take away lessons that are a lot bigger than just how to do research. Yeah. I mean, they are really, especially my mentor. Big shout out to Dr. Amy Ward in the geography department. Really taught me overall personal development and growth. Yeah. yeah. And like you said, how to treat people, how to be a good leader, how to be a genuine person, stuff that uh, I wasn't expecting to take away from what's perceived to be such a, a technical path of yeah. research. You know what I mean? And, and that's what's important. I have friends that did internships at engineering companies mm -hmm. and they're like, I'm reading spreadsheets. What are you doing? Oh, I just wrote an abstract and I'm going to France. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, and it's sweet. And yet it's just, uh, it, it has it has an impact on people and understanding what it has done for me. I want to provide that to other people. Yeah. And, you know, Dr. Lou was always so great. I'd come to him with figures and I'd be all excited, like, oh, I'm understanding this. And then he would just silently sit there and he'd be like, okay, so what's up with this? Right. And I'd be like, well, I don't know. And he's like, well, let's think about this. And he wouldn't just blatantly get, he knew when to give me the answer. Mm -hmm. And he also knew how to like, uh, it's like searching a drawer, like searching a cabinet blind. Right. It's like he knew when to tell me I'm looking in the wrong cabinet. Yeah. But he knew when to kind of be hands off because he knew I was in the right drawer. Mm -hmm. I'm just shuffling my hands around. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great analogy to put it because, I mean, the only way that you're going to be able to learn is by figuring it out. Yeah. You know, for yourself being guided towards that right direction. But you also don't want to be sent on a wild goose chase and, exactly. <laughs> and waste, waste all the time because time, especially in research, is a very valuable asset. Yeah, yeah, it is. And it's, you also, you know, then you feel better about it. It sucks for that some, for somebody to look at you and be like, yeah, you didn't actually have to do that. Or mm -hmm. that's just not right at all. Right. Like I was, I thought I was all being all cool. And so the big con the, not controversy, but the big question of co-delivery in atmosphere is mm -hmm. when are we going to separate? So when do I separate from the orbiter craft? There's many, different things that go into that. But there comes a point where there is a latest separation time. And any time after that, the probe is going to come back out with the orbiter. Okay. And we don't want that because right. we want the probe to enter. So I ran some scripts and some codes, and I'm thinking, like, I know when to make the optimal separation time. Mm -hmm. And then Dr. Liu was like, next time, like, 
be a little more upfront about it because this doesn't take into account the final orbit right because the final orbits are going to be way different depending on what that was mm -hmm. so then eventually i was able to change it and so i was like yeah but then other times when i'd be really close um you know he would he would keep being like yeah like just keep looking into that yeah like 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 hot or cold yeah you know let's like walk around a room hot or cold yeah um you know that's that's definitely like a big mentorship style that I want to take away with me. You know what I mean? Is once I'm in the position to give people the opportunity, how do how do I develop them to be the mo best critical thinkers that they could be? Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's what makes people want to continue to work with you and then bring other people to you. Yeah. Like I do that. I always bring, I always like bring, quote, bring people uh, to others. Like, you know, Dr. Bolsersky said, I'd be interested in working with Kent State to do a CubeSat program. And I'm like, dude, I got like, you know, 10 people that would be kicking down doors to come work with you. Yeah. And he's like, well, that's exciting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I kept telling Tristan, you know, reach out to Dr. Lou and like, you can come work with me in Dr. Lou's lab. And right. unfortunately he was going to a different university. Um, but it's always stuff like that where I'm always, you know, trying to push people into those positions and be like, you know, like this is so great. And you, 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 you want to almost uh, pay it back some way. Yeah. Well, you know, I think you're doing a great job with that. You know, taking up the responsibility to start AIAA again. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully it'll, it'll go over well. And, um, we're all, we're all kind of flying blind. So yeah. my first meeting with everybody is going to be like, just be patient. And we're right. all here to just chill out. We're here to learn professional skills mm -hmm. and you know, we're not going to be suit and tie every day. And our goal is to introduce you to a diversity of aerospace engineering topics. Right. I think that's going to help a lot of people out. And just as important, I think a lot of people are going to really enjoy it with the culture that you're setting up, especially yeah. towards the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. We'll find out. we got to yeah. go. we got to go poach all those freshmen. Get them to like, sign, sign our form. You know? <laughs> well, bla yeah, Blastoff should be a success. Fingers <laughs> yes. crossed. Fingers yeah. crossed. We're at like the fourth table under Manchester tent, and we're right next to the professional pilots organization. Mm -hmm. So I'm hoping, because the pilots will probably have cool stuff out, so right. like aerospace engineering people will already be going over there, so then yeah. we just poach them from their table. That's, our, <laughs> that's, that's kind that, of our... That's smart. <laughs> when you, what time are you going to be out there for? Uh, I think it's from like 5.30 to 8. Or 5.30 5 to 8 on Monday. Sunday. 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 Okay table fourth table from manchester yeah so it's like table one two three and i think we're the fourth table okay cool well fingers crossed i'll stop by yeah you should I'll, I'll yeah. stop by and then um yeah check it out give you guys a shout out on the page i think would be really cool yeah you can take a picture of our gorgeous trifold that we're gonna have <laughs> yeah i gotta see it i gotta see it <laughs> yeah well, it'll be a little a little put together so mm -hmm. Bi building on top of your um your leadership position building on top of your leadership position if you had one more message to share with the world, what would it be? I want to encourage people to pursue what they love. Mm -hmm. And I used to be a big proponent of like, you just need to work. And if you're not like working, you're right. like, you're not doing something productive. And that's a great attitude to have because you got to work hard to like make it in life, mm -hmm. but find what you fall in love with. And if there's like a stigma with it or it's like, I always compare it to like the art student where it's yeah. like, well, you're not going to make a lot of money as a musician or an artist. Like if you're genuinely good at it, like you'll be the next Post Malone. You'll mm -hmm. be the world's cutest kid, be making hundreds and billions of dollars and you're just making music and chilling with people. Yeah. Like 
go do that. Find what you love and find what you can work really hard at and smile while doing because you enjoy it. Mm-hmm. I love it. It'd be better to walk around and see peop- more people smiling because yes. you know that they're doing what they really enjoy in life. Yeah. Work yeah. doesn't need to be a, oh, I got to go to work. You know, work can be a, like, I'm making a meaningful contribution to X. Or, right. Or, you know, working at this place makes me feel this way, and mm-hmm. I like working here. Yeah. And when you, when you, when you look around and you see other people doing things that you don't necessarily understand, res- you know, like, respect what they're doing. Yes. Like we were talking about earlier on, not a lot of people – especially early on, you know, within our careers, not a lot of people, or not, I wouldn't say careers, but in our academic journey, didn't understand, neither really respect, you know, the choice. But you don't need to understand something to respect it. Yeah. 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 And understanding, like, we all have different backgrounds. And I I like what I like what you said is respecting people's their their talent as well. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if somebody is the artist, I'm not trying to hate on artists here, right. but, uh, you know, if somebody is the artist, then respect what they're doing. Yeah. And, you know, that's that, if that's really what brings them their happiness and joy, then they'll be successful yeah. with it. It's no different than respecting the aerospace engineer because he liked space and now he's going to France. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. <laughs> and it, 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 this reminds me of, like, the way that I closed out my speech over at Akron Children's, like, over the summer, said, we are artists creating new colors that will paint pictures never before seen by the world, just as much as we are scientists who are creating a new understanding of like the world around us. Yeah, that's so that's a good that's in, good. In terms of what we're doing, you know, we're artists as well. It's I didn't just think about it like that. Different materials that we're that we're working with. Wow. Yeah, I like that. That's yeah. a, that's good word. <laughs> that's good wording. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Sometimes I just like to sit and think and see what see what i come up with yeah yeah that's good now i'm not i'm not as uh, eloquently worded as that i'm very direct and just like this is what happened yes <laughs> well that's that's what you need like yeah. especially like in the leadership setting you know what i mean very yeah much of like a get things done type of person yeah for yeah. sure sometimes it comes off as a little too harsh but you working on that it. sometimes sometimes yeah. yeah it's true like i have officers where it's like we need to make a flyer mm-hmm Where's the flyer? Well, I'm working on it. Okay, well, like blast off is Sunday. Right. It's it's uh it's what day is today? Uh, Wednesday. T- today's Wednesday. Yeah. Today's Wednesday. Yeah. It's like it's Wednesday, my guy. Like, mm-hmm. where's Got, the flyer? Right. We kind of need it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I know exactly what you mean. Um, but yes, you just, sometimes you just got to be the guy to just like lay the hammer down. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's just it's how it goes. But find what you love. Mm-hmm. And find what you can do and you smile while doing it. Yeah. And whatever that is, you should be proud that that's what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And then it's not like work at all. Agree. Well, Andrew, thank you for coming on. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Thank you for your message. And thank you for everything that you're doing for people right now. I encourage everyone to go check out the AI double Yeah, please do. Possible. Well, I think we have a Instagram we don't have anything posted yet because okay. we're looking for a social media coordinator yeah. and uh, t- people are too scared to do it. And like engineers are really bad with, <laughs> they're really bad with social media. Mm-hmm. I have a whole new respect for people that do marketing and yeah. like social media as a job. Respect it. Cause I can't do it. Mm-hmm. No, same uh, with the research review page. We have like, I've had the account for maybe like 
a year. We have like nine posts. Yeah. And it's that's the that's been the whole the hardest part of running this is the social <laughs> yeah. media page. It is. Yeah. Cuz you feel cringy when you're like making a post and you're just like, yeah, I just had a meeting with this guy and he mm-hmm. was really cool and like like you know, take <laughs> yeah. that little picture, but yeah. then it's like, it used to be, is that cringy? Like, are, is that acceptable? Like, can we make that post? Right. Yeah. My my whole page, it was just selfies. That's all it was. It's just selfies. And yeah. then I I started I tried out like the camera with the reels, but man, there's a lot of editing that goes into that. It's hard. Yeah. Yeah. It's so. like very like time consuming, it for is. sure. For yeah. like a like the the TikTok shorts where it's they're only like you know at most like a minute long like mm-hmm. there's like a lot of editing that goes into that yeah it's, it's crazy, crazy. Yeah. yeah so yeah, we're looking for a social media coordinator we don't have but uh, yeah the, the, you can find us on uh, the KSU Engage page if you search KSU AIAA we should come up so shout out shout out AIAA yes yes and shout out you Andrew <laughs> for coming on. And doing running no, that. Thank you for having me. Yeah. I, I, again, I was Haley introduced me to the show, and I've actually been listening. Yeah, big shout out Haley too. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, so been... Episode was a couple back. Innovations in engineering and aeronautics research by Haley Dees. You should go check that out if you haven't already. It was four episodes ago. Yeah, it was. Yeah. That was a good one. And then I, I've been listening to the show because I enjoy it. There's so much thank research you. that happens here at Kent State yeah. that like you don't hear about. And a lot of people think of research as like, I'm in a chemistry lab and I've got beakers and I'm like, like, you know, putting things into like beakers and colored fluids. And right. Research takes so many different forms. Yeah, it, it, it really does. Like, I mean, you could have it in um, old English literature. You could have it in social social support programs in uh, chemistry. Yeah, in, in there is in chemistry, the physics. Yeah. What else? We have uh, research and design yeah. and in art aerospace engineering it's it's crazy no it was crazy for me like because i started out in the social sciences right yeah and then i recently just to you know gain a broader perspective let's go into stem and so going all in yeah just like all in and it was it's so cool yes it 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 sucks you in yeah you're gonna be like me yeah (laughs) it's so it's it's really interesting not only um talking to people with like all these different backgrounds and learning what they have to say, but also to like jump around into different fields, you know, hands on and, you know, get an understanding, get an understanding for yourself and like actually being sucked into different processes. Yeah. is really cool. For sure. For sure. Yeah. It's, it's very interesting. Mm-hmm. It is. Well, Andrew, thank you again for coming on. I know you have big things in store and I can't wait to see you're yeah. welcome back anytime. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah, mm-hmm. We'll definitely have to be in touch. Yeah. And I think what you should do is you need to do like a meet the host. Like you got to get somebody to come on <laughs> here. And so you can talk about like the th- you, you need somebody to interview you. Like yeah. you've been on the show. And I was <laughs> I like, know, I know, you got to learn know. more about the host. <laughs> and like we were having our conversations before we were recording. And mm-hmm. like that would be a good episode. Thank That's you. all I'm saying. Yeah. Keep that in mind. Maybe pretty soon. I don't know. Fingers crossed. Yeah, you could talk about um, re- your research this summer. What was the what was your title of like your your research project? Neural networks. Those two little dots. What are they called? The colon. Colon. Adrenaline control sites in the cerebellum. Wow. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Very cool. So we'll definitely touch into that. Oh, I'll yeah. start off with the st- college student homelessness, 
then I'll switch into adrenaline control sites in the cerebellum. Yeah. Because that was my opening project. It it kind of like floats in between the earlier podcasts for sure. So you should definitely think about a meet the host. Thank you. I will. Yeah. Well, Andrew, again, it's been great having you on. Welcome back anytime, like I said. Again, this is your host, John, of the Research Review, creating a platform to inspire. Peace out.